right, well, it's good to be here. I want to say something. We're starting the last series, um, service of this series of Squad Goals, and I want to brag on the worship team because what you don't realize what happened today was a testament of that squad. And what I mean by that was right before first service, about a half hour before first service, the man that was leading worship, Nathan, his voice went, could not get a song lyric out. I mean, just it just went. And so he went looking for, for, for Pastor Jared that led worship. Jared's running sound back here. And so, Jared, you're going to have to lead. And so Jared steps into lead worship, having not been to practice or anything this week. So he steps into lead worship. And then Brian was behind the scenes running our Facebook Live mix back in the closet back there. And so Brian, he steps up, and he begins to lead um, the, the tech booth. Brian, right there he is. Amen. And so he did that, and then Nathan didn't need a voice to be able to go run that mix in the closet, and so Nathan went back to run the mix in the closet. <laughs> Give God some praise. Yeah, man, and it just blesses my heart because, you know, as a coach, you look at your bench, you look at your team, and you go, you want that to run deep. The squad runs deep up in here. Yeah, it does. And so I just was so thankful today when I came in and they said what was going on. I thought, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to open your Bibles this morning over to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. And as you're moving over there, even though this is our squad goals, the last week of the series, I got kind of a subtitle for it. And the title is called Ladders. Ladders. And, you know, this is actually a ladder from my house. This is a ladder that I use because I'm five foot eight. And I really can't do hardly anything around the house without getting an elevated point of view. I just can't. And what's nice about this ladder is that my house, I can use it. I can get up here and do things on the wall. I can actually do a little bit on the ceiling. You know, now like Kelly over here, how tall are you, brother? Six five. Good night. You could stack one of my children on top of me and it wouldn't be six five, you know. So Kelly, you don't need these, do you much? Mm -mm, you just hang stuff. But, but for me, if I want to increase my capacity to see something, increase my capacity to reach something, guess what? I need a ladder. Now, that ladder will do a lot on the inside of my house. But if I'm outside, I need something that has a little more. Everybody shout reach. Yeah, yeah, so I need something that has a little more capacity. I need a ladder that will allow me to be elevated to a place that I can get what I need to get done, done. And what I want to tell you right now, when it comes to people in your life, people in your life are like ladders. They create an increased capacity for you to get a better vision. They create an increased capacity for you to be able to get your hands on some stuff that you could not get your hands on without those ladders in your life. Let's stand to our feet. I want to honor God's word today as we stand. I know we're up and down a little bit today, but I just always love to stand in honor of God's word the first time we read it during the course of a Sunday. <coughs> and so this is in Genesis 28. And it's a story of Jacob's ladder. And some of you have remembered this story from Sunday school. And, but I want to revisit it for those that may not remember it. Jacob, he left Beersheba and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there at night because the sun had set. 
Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached heaven. Let me stop there. He dreamed. I believe ladders are places where we can dream from. Ladders are places that give us an elevated capacity and a, a position where we can start to get a vision for something. Amen? You don't get there alone. And so he's having a dream. In the middle of this dream, God is showing him this ladder that's reaching the top of it, is reaching into heaven. And behold, it says the angels of God, they were ascending and descending on it. Now watch this, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and in you. And your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. From the top of this ladder, you have the Lord of his life declaring a promise over him. I love this. From the top of that ladder, God is starting to declare over him some vision for your life. Some people would have called you a supplanter, Jacob. Some people thought you were no good. But what I see in you, from up here, from this position on top of this ladder, I see great things for your future. Let me dream with you a little bit, Jacob, about who you're going to be. Let me dream. Everybody else said that you're nobody. But let me dream a little bit with you, Jacob, to tell you that you're going to be the father of a great nation. And that wherever you put your foot, God's going to bring blessing. And that your offspring and the people in your life that come forth from you, they will be a blessing. Somebody better shout up in here. I'll shout all by myself. I'm telling you, that, that's some awesome stuff right there. From that place of a ladder, that place, this dream over his life starts to manifest. God begins to speak life in that moment, not death. Let me say it again. He speaks life, not death. Watch. Behold, I am with you, and I'll keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. I love it. In that place where he had a vision of this ladder, God began to speak promise over his life. And what he declared was this, Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. That's what he named this place. Beth means house. El means God. This is the house of God. And what I'm saying is you need some people in your life that will speak life and speak promise and not speak death. And I believe when you start to have some people in your life like that, it starts to feel like you're in the house of God. This should be a house of hope. This should be a house of encouragement, a house of dreams, a house of pro promise. That's what this should be. And those around you in your life ought to be like ladders that say, go climb, brother. Go climb, sister. Go get a view of what I want to do in your life. Amen? But for so often, there's folk in our life that do everything but create ladders in our lives. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you help us in the rest of this sermon, this teaching? Would you visit us, I pray? We thank you for your goodness in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. I didn't preach last week, so I'm planning on preaching myself hoarse this week, okay? 
But listen, can I tell you this? God still uses ladders today to give you a glimpse of heaven. That's what happened in Jacob's life. He got a glimpse of heaven because of that ladder, and God still uses ladders today. It's just the ladders now have legs on them. I'll give you an example. When I see Amy, I see the love of heaven. I do, girl. You like heaven to me. Oh, yeah. No, but she is. Now, Now the thing about Amy is I've known her forever. I mean, like literally junior high is when I met my girl. And she wasn't my girl then. But, man, I just, I just there was something about her. And, and I was always trying to angle to get her to like me. And, and I can even remember one time going up to her and, and, and just going, hey, I'm getting contacts. Because I had glasses back when glasses were really glasses. You know what I'm saying? Like huge, thick. And so I'm looking at her. I'm about 13, 14, I think 13. And I'm like, do you think I'll look better like this? Or like this, like this, or like this. To which she said, I don't know if you look good either way, you know. But I knew she was a glimpse of heaven. I knew that she would be that one that someday would allow me to know love and see love. Amen. I'm going to throw another person in the mix. He was in the first service. When I see Scott and Karen Fogel, and I'm going to tell a story later on about them. But when I see, and they're fixing to leave here pretty soon. They've built a home up in North Carolina, and they're going to be moving. And um, unless we can spread bad rumors about them or something. <clears throat> but when I see Scott and Karen Fogel, I see the encouragement of heaven. They're like ladders in my life that allow me to climb up and see the encouragement. You know, in Scripture, there's a man by the name of Barnabas. And bar means son, and it means son of encouragement. And through the years, God has just been a son of encouragement in his pastor's life. And again, I'll share one more story before we end. When I see Pastor Paul Palmer, I don't know if you guys know who he is. He, he's the founder of the Atlanta Dream Center. He's the founder of the Atlanta International Church, an amazing outreach church in the inner city. And he, he's, his birthday was this past week, 67 years old. He's my hero. He's my mentor. I love Pastor Paul Palmer. And when it comes down to it, when I see him, I see both the tenderness and the strength of heaven. That man is a beast of a guy. I, I can remember going through Atlanta on motorcycles together. We'd just come back from raising money in Florida to help set captives free there in Atlanta that were bound to the sex trafficking um, industry. And so we're flying back up through Atlanta. It's 1230 in the night, and we are bar to bar. You don't go bar to bar with people you don't trust. And we're riding in the same lane, bar to bar, 100 miles an hour. I shouldn't say that publicly. I'm not sure how that works with a ticket. If you can say it, you get in trouble. And don't do that. If you don't, I didn't do it, baby. I didn't. I did it. I so did it. And we're just flying, and I look over at him, and he looks at me, and, um, and he's got these old 1930s engineer glasses on. These, I mean, he just looked so cool. And I look over, and he's like, and we're just like, we're so old, but this is awesome. You know, but I just love that guy because he's so tender, but he's so strong, you know. When I see Pastor Thomas Blair, that's my pastor, and he is retiring after 27 years of being in his church. In a few weeks, we're going to travel up and be with him for the weekend of his retirement, his party, his last Sunday service. And, and that's, that's Pastor Corey. That's his daddy. And I served those 27 years. I served almost 11 years with him as, as my pastor that I served under. And so, man, when I see Pastor Thomas Blair, I see the faithfulness of God. I see the faithfulness of heaven. I do. When, when I see my mom and my dad... I see the generosity 
and the power of God. I see the generosity and the power of heaven. I do. My mom, my dad was saying just a few days ago when he was here, he goes, you know, Rossi, I've never, ever pastored a church any larger than about 200 people. Most of the churches he's pastored have been around 75 to 150 people. And, and now he's still a pastor at like 76, 77 years old. He's pastored a group of about 35, 40 people. And, um, and he said, but you know what? God's always been faithful. And, and I was telling him, Daddy, you're so faithful, you know. And when I see my dad and my mom, man, there I see that generosity and that power of heaven in their life. I, I don't know anybody more generous than my mom and dad. I'm serious. I just don't. And, and the power of God. My mother, you'll get mama on the phone. And she's a simple, simple, sweet Kentucky woman. And you get her on the phone, and she's just like, hi, Ralph Allen. How you doing, honey? I'm good, mama. How are you? I'm good. And she's just real quiet and real sweet. But then she'll say, can I pray? Please do, mama. And that woman will go to pray. And it'll switch. And it, something happens. This power comes out of my mom. In the name of Jesus. I mean, and next thing you know, she's praying and declaring and the prophetic word and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And I'm like, mom, you're in my head and you're in my business. And she's not. It's God in my head and God in my business. But he's using this, like, 78-year-old woman with a bouffant to speak life, <laughs> to speak wholeness, to speak hope, to speak strength. He's using my mama like a ladder to hold my ladder and climb, son, climb. Go for it, boy. Go for it. And she's speaking that life. And so God still uses ladders to give people a glimpse of heaven. He always uses people. That's just how God works. And there's a story of a miracle in the scripture that, that we are all familiar with. That story of Lazarus who came back to life from Jesus' ministry. But what's amazing about that miracle is the fullness of the miracle wasn't seen until a few other people really got involved to help this man. I want to look at that passage of scripture. It says, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, Bethany wasn't too far from Jerusalem, and as Jesus would minister in Jerusalem, this really was his squad. These are people he would go and spend time with, be encouraged in their home. It was just a place of respite for him, not too far from the busyness of ministry. And so now this word comes, and these are people that were close, so close it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. That's how close. And it's her brother Lazarus who has died, this dear friend of Jesus. And so the sisters, they send to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, y'all know how the story goes. Jesus lingers. He does continued ministry. And the man ends up dying. Well, Jesus, upon hearing that the man has died, he looks to his disciples and he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Man, that's what I want. I want some people in my life that can see some things that might look dead in my life, but I got some friends in my life that'll come to me to try to awaken some stuff in me, awaken hope in me, awaken encouragement in me. Amen? Awaken maybe a calling that's in you. Don't you want some friends in your life like that? That would look past the death and say, yes, but I'm going to speak life. And something's going to wake up in you. I, I, I want some friends like that. In verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again. He came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he has been dead four days. 
Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And I love that, just that idea of hope, that idea of faith. This friend, and you may say, but, that, but Ross, that's Jesus. Of course he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. No, he doesn't. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man in the earth. He chose to have himself governed with a limited understanding in the earth, that he would have to seek and pray to his Father to get the fullness of knowledge, just like you have to seek and press into the Father to get your understanding and your knowledge and so we can see in this moment, you know, that he's speaking life in the midst of this. He's not, yeah, you're right. Sure does stink, that guy does. You know? You've had people in your life at times that aren't like ladders, people in your life that want to point out all your stink. I want to say it country, point out all your stank, you know? I do. Quick, quick to point out the death in you. Quick to point out the stink in you. Quick to point out the timeline. You've already been down too long. You're already counted out, Eddie Bowers. How in the world are you going to have victory? You know, th that timeline. They want to point out all that. No, no, no. Jesus comes on. And in that moment, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always heard me. But I said this on the account of people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Man, the man who had died came out. And it says that his hands and his feet, they were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And so just imagine a hundred preachers, and I've heard this a hundred times, uh -huh, just the idea of that man being alive, but his face is covered, his vision is covered. He's bound, so his activity is limited, and he comes out of the grave. Now, is he alive? Yeah, yeah, just like every one of us in here. We're alive in Christ, but how many know you need some people in your life to pull the best out of you? You need some ladders in your life to say, hey, I'm going to help you get your vision. I'm going to help you get that, that, that scope of what God's trying to do in your life. And so what Jesus says to these people, he says to them, unbind them and let him go. One translation says, loose him and let him go. And so these people that were around, God does this miracle where, yes, I'm bringing life, but I'm expecting people to bring you vision. I'm bringing you life, but I'm expecting people to help take the, the bondages off. Now, as I preach this today, this sermon kind of oscillates because on one side, we want to find people that will be ladders in our life. On the other side, we want to be people who will be ladders in other people's lives. Now, I'm not going to keep going back and forth and try to explain the allegory to you. I think that we're all intelligent enough to get it, right? So as I preach, just figure out where you're at in this story. Are you someone right now that is in need of a ladder? Let's look at it that way. And if you're someone in this life that you're going, you know what? I want to be a ladder. I'm hearing what pastor's saying, and I want to be that one that helps others get that vision for their life, helps others loose those grave clothes and get that vision. And so that's the goal of today's talk. And the reason why I, I say all that is because the course and the quality of your life will be greatly impacted by those you do life with. That's where we started with this series, right? Remember I said it's not, it doesn't matter the dream you have. It's about the team that you have. And I love this because even in Jacob's dream, he has a wonderful dream, but it would just been a dream with angels ascending and descending had not that teammate, Jesus, stood at the top of that ladder and began to speak life and begin to speak promise and begin to speak hope. Amen?
You need a team around you. Yeah, Jesus has brought you to life, the fullness of life in Christ. But to walk in more, you can't find more on your own. And so often Jesus, when he was doing ministry, he would want certain people to be with him. Remember on Easter Sunday, I preached on the little girl that had died and how he kicked everybody out except for Peter, James, and John and himself and the mom and daddy of the little girl. He just kicks everybody out. Why? Because he didn't want people in there that didn't have vision. He didn't want people in there that didn't have hope. He didn't want people in there that weren't ready to encourage the situation. He wanted those in there that could be like ladders and cause the capacity to get to a spot where you could see heaven manifest. Bethel, the place of God, the house of God, show up in the middle of that little girl's home. And so often, Jesus, when he would do ministry like that, he would have certain people with him. And that may not be that big a deal to you. Amen. If you're just one of the people in the room, it probably isn't that big a deal to you. If, if you're in that situation, if you're just one of the people that are watching Mary and Martha in her grief, it probably isn't that big a deal to you. You know, if you're just one of the people that are, are, are the mourners that were kind of paid to mourn watching this little girl and her mom and dad and that whole situation, it probably wouldn't mean a whole lot to you. But listen, if you are the one that's dead, you want the right people around you. And there's some people in here today that, in a, in a sense, there's a death there, you know? Maybe it's your vision that's dead. Maybe it's your spiritual walk that's dead. Maybe it's your marriage that's dead. You know the worst thing for a dead marriage for you is to get advice from people that are in another dead marriage. Right? Amen. You, you need to find some folk that have some life that can literally start to unbind and, and pull the blinders off. <coughs> And so if you're the one that's dead, man, you want the right people around you. I, I believe Lazarus was really, really happy the right people were there in the moment, you know. Yeah, four days, it seemed like a little too late. But man, here comes life being spoken, and he is being set free. And so these are the kind of people we want in our lives, ladders, people that are ladders. And I'm going to give you a few points here that will give you a characterization of what ladder-type people look like. Number one, those who lose you by lifting you to a new place of vision, those will be a ladder in your life. you got people in your life that you're with, and you just your scope increases. Your hope increases. You just, you get this sense of, of vision. They lift you to a new place of vision. And so like that, like I said earlier with ladders, you get to that place where you can see, I see bald spots. It's a new place of vision. Things I did not see before, you know. And so I see that guy's wallet that fell out, Alex. No, I don't. But that new place of vision, all right. And, 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 and for some of you, it won't be a small ladder. For some of you, there's people in your life, it'll be a ladder like this that literally just give you a, an incredible. Now, if I go up here too far, but you know what? I believe Oscar would catch me. But that's what a ladder does. It gives you a new place of vision. You can do things up here that you couldn't do without that person in your life. Amen? And so Amy and I are getting ready to go on a hike, and she's all nervous, I'm sure. Like, don't let my man get hurt. 
So those who come into your life to give you a, a new vision, those who give you a better view of what's possible. And I don't know if you saw my post this week, but our staff last summer, we began to discuss the idea of writing a book together as a staff. This is something we've never done before, you know? And so with that, we decided, hey, what does this look like? The subject we wanted to deal with was church hurts because so many people come in with hurts and to carry those hurts on without dealing with those hurts, it just hinders you from that next step of growth. So we wanted a book that we could give to people when they come here and say, yes, I'm going through this. My transition looks like this, and this is why. Hey, these two chapters are a great chapter for you. Take a look at this. And so we wrote the book for that reason, you know. Um, <clears throat> even good transitions. Amy and I moved here to Georgia to start this church. It was three or four years before we stopped looking over our shoulder at Mansfield first. We love the church we came from. We still do. We cannot wait to see all our church family here in a couple weeks when we go up. I don't think we'll get to meet the new pastor that's been elected. I think he comes a few weeks later. But man, I'm thankful for that house. I'm thankful for the pastor they're getting ready to get. And I'm thankful for the pastor that I served under. And it was a while that transition was hard because I wanted momentum to be like the church where I left, you know? I left on good terms. I love that church. And then there's other things, other reasons why people leave that sometimes aren't always the best terms and some healing has to happen. And so with that, we wrote this book and it was one of those things where we were a ladder to each other. Amy had never written anything like that. Baby, you can do this. I know you can. Get in there and write it. And I'm just gonna brag on her. She was reading the proof copy. We just got the proof copy. And so she was reading the proof copy of her thing. And she goes, did somebody put stuff in here that I didn't write? Like, no, baby, why would we do that? She's like, well, this stuff's really smart. <laughs> this is brilliant. This is the most, since Paul, the author of the New Testament, this is some of the best writing I've ever, this is going to set people free. No, she didn't say all that, but she did say, she did say, she said, you know, did I write all this? I'm like, yeah, baby, you wrote all that. Why? Because we're all saying, girl, you can do it. We know you have it in you. And she began to climb up on that ladder, and she got a bigger vision for her own capacity, and she began to write. And now God's going to use that to touch people's lives. Amen? Different ones wrote a few chapters each, you know, and so it came out. Man, it's a great thing, and we posted it, and already pastors and different people that I know as leaders are starting to reach out and say, hey, when you get it, let us know. We're going to buy it, you know, and so, man, all I'm saying is that was something that we had never done before, but we used each other's encouragement toward each other to get life to get a vision and to go after it. And so we want that to happen. Here's the thing, though. Sometimes we surround ourselves with dead people. Not ladders, but people that are dead. And we wonder why we can't get a fresh vision. It takes a ladder in your life to get to a height that you can catch that fresh vision. And so listen, dead men don't have vision. Why do you let them speak into your life? Dead women don't have vision. Why do you allow them to control your thinking? Listen, you don't need dead people in your life. You need people full of life saying what is possible. That's what you need in your life. And that's the ladders that God wants you to embrace and, and walk up on. But that's also the kind of attitude that God wants us to have in people's lives. Amen? And I'll give you an example here. If you're a person that um, characterizes death, okay, if, if people try to run away from you in conversation, you may be speaking more death than life. Just being honest. Amen? Okay, I'm going to leave that there. All right. Uh, 
Number two, those ladders in our life, those are people who loose you by lifting you to a new place of value. And I don't want you to miss this, all right? Those who steady your climb, you know what that speaks to? It speaks to the fact that they value you. I have a friend, Mike, and Mike will climb a ladder, okay, and he will literally stand on this part of the ladder. I can't tell you how many times I've been working with Mike, and I'm like, Mike, stop it. Oh, I'm really comfortable on ladders. I know you are. I'm not comfortable in watching you on ladders. And so, so often, he would be doing things and leaning out, and I'm holding, wanting to steady the ladder. Why? Because I value Mike. If somebody in your life is trying to steady your climb, they're trying to be there in your life holding on to you, it's because they value you. Those who hold a ladder for you value you. Now watch. If someone loves to see you in turmoil, that is not a ladder. That's not someone holding on. That's, that's wicked and evil and all about death. If they seem to get joy in your demise, if they seem to get joy in your possible destruction. Now, I'm not talking about the idea that ladders in your life can't speak correction. Because that correction looks like this. All right, Mike, you're going to die, buddy. You're going to kill yourself. I'm, I'm holding this. I, I think you need to be careful up there. You know, it's all out of a heart of value and worth and love and honor of him. Does that make sense? It's not... Look how stupid Mike is over there. Look what Mike's doing. Mike's going to kill himself. Can't believe Mike. Look what Mike's doing. That's junk, y'all. That, that, that is not being a ladder in somebody's life. Amen? Get close. Hold on. Speak instruction. Speak care. Speak concern. But you better be doing that in proximity. If not, you're just a fat mouth. That's all you are. Period. You understand? So don't let no fat mouths in your life govern your life, number one. And don't be a fat mouth. All right. But I love that. That idea, those who steady your climb, they're committed to your success. I'm not saying that they understand it completely. I'm not saying that they're completely in favor at times. But they're steadying the climb. They're speaking life. They're speaking constructive criticism. They're, they're speaking those things from a place of close proximity, not a place of fearful distance. If someone loves to see you in turmoil, they are not a ladder. But if they're holding on because they value you, oh, that's a beautiful thing. You listen to their heart of concern. Amen? The third thing here, those who loose you by lifting you to a new place of victory. You know, this, this ladder here is a little short ladder, and I can only get so high and I'll only do so much from this ladder. But the ladder on the other side of the stage is nice and good size. How, how many's ever worked with an extension ladder? Do you know there's people in your life that'll be extension ladders to you? They, they extend your reach way beyond what you ever thought possible, way beyond what you ever thought was gonna happen. And I have an extension ladder in my life. His name's Rick Collins. That's our retired superintendent in the Assemblies of God. And years ago, Rick called me, Ross, we want you to be the church plant director for the Assemblies of God in Georgia. And for four and a half years, I got to do that. I got to lead about 32 churches to be planted and got to have that kind of access and, and influence in people's lives. And that influence still continues. Even this past week, I had somebody call in asking me some questions from the district office. And it's an honor. I didn't see that ability in myself to be a coach like that. 
to be somebody that can pull the best out of other people. I, I didn't even trust my own self. But he was an extension ladder in my life that said, I can see your reach extending. I can see you have an ability to walk in a greater vision and walk in a greater purpose than you're walking in. And Rick helped stretch me. Amen? You need some people in your lives like that. You need some people as we come to a close, some people who's got your ladder. What is that? Somebody who's got your ladder? That's the person that's supporting you as you climb. But you also need some people who gets your ladder. What do you mean, Ross? They get it. That's the person who understands why you have to climb in the first place. Amen? So those who have your ladder or got your ladder, those who get your ladder. Man, you need some people like that in your life, and you need to be some people like that. Let me go back to Scott and Karen Fogle, and they were in the first service, and uh, at least Scott was, and I was bragging on him, and I know it embarrassed him, so he's not back for this service. (laughs) He's out there somewhere keeping us safe. But what happened was years ago, church was about 200 people at the time, and um, less than half of what we are now, and in that time, the finances, I had just brought Pastor Corey on staff, and when we brought Pastor Corey on staff, the economy just tanked. Not the church economy, global economy. I mean, it was, this was back during the Great Recession. And so it wasn't like Corey showed up and, pff, well, church stinks now. <laughs> he, he's on vacation this morning. But you can tell him I said that, though. No. And so with Corey coming, he brought a wife and three kids. And if you know anything about me, there's no way I'm not going to pay that young man. Amen. And so we begin to cover him, and week after week after week, Amy and I started missing pay, started missing pay, started missing pay. About 15 weeks worth of no pay. And, and one day, we had a business meeting, just our typical annual type church business meeting. And at that business meeting, they had the rundown for what incomes were going to go and expenditures were going to go for the next year. And with that, somebody from the, the group, there's only one other couple that came that wasn't staff or board. After about four years of having these business meetings where only one, maybe two people would show up other than staff and board, we just kind of stopped having it. So we have open books. You can check them out anytime you want. But it was just like kind of a waste of a meeting. I thank you all for your trust. It was just kind of, after about four years of it, it was like, that's weird. So not saying we'll never do it again. But this guy, the one guy that was there, said, hey, I want to know why is pastor getting paid so much this year? And so at that time, I think it was actually Mitch, I think was the finance guy on the board, and he made the, 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 the statement, it's because he's lost 15 pays this last year, and we've made the decision that we're going to catch him up in this coming year. Up to the time of bringing Pastor Corey on, what we would do is we would just miss pay, and that's just part of starting any business, right? And I'm not saying church is business, but guess what? Church is business, okay? And so for seven years, if we missed pay, we just missed pay, and that's just how it is, and I hustled on the side and always could take care of myself. But when we brought Corey on, the board made the decision, from now on, when you miss pay, we're going to try to recoup that at some point. So that was their decision. I go back here now to Scott and Karen. So that meeting gets done, and Scott comes up to me, and he says, how much will it take to make you right? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I just asked a question. I just want to know, what's the dollar figure to make you right? Because we had talked about that day that our missions, we give a, a dime of every dollar that comes into this place away from us, okay? And, and that missions giving had dipped too because the finances weren't there. And so with that, he said, look, he goes, I want to make this right so that we can get back on mission. I'm like, what? He goes, I want to make you even. So just tell me what it is. I'm like, I'm not telling you what. I mean, I, it was embarrassing to me. And so he, he kind of begs me. I'm like, 
all right, this is what it is. And oh my goodness, that man and his wife, they took care of that back salary in one fail swoop. And they're not super wealthy by no means. But they felt like God said, do it. And basically, his whole premise was, we want the vision of the house to take place. We don't want you worrying about your income. We've got too much to do for the kingdom to get slowed down. In other words, I'm going to hold your ladder, Ross, and you keep having vision. I'm going to hold your ladder. You keep taking us where we're supposed to go. Your ladder needs some stability. It wasn't, hmm, I wonder what's going on in Ross's life that the finances are dipping. I hear how his wife talks to him. And pastor always says, God don't bless no mess. <laughs> no, man, he just, he just came. And here's what's craziest thing about that. You guys want to hear the craziest thing about that? He hadn't been at the church. I don't think he'd been at the church seven weeks yet. I'm not going to choke up this service. I did in the first service because he was here. But guys, he held my ladder. And it wasn't just the financial thing. Emotionally, I needed my ladder held right then. I just needed to know that, God, I'm on track to do what you've called me to do. I mean, there's been multiple, multiple times we've been invited to go back home, you know. No, God's called us to Georgia. This is where we're supposed to be. And he held my ladder and gave me hope and confidence in the vision. God, he allowed me to climb higher and look out. And next thing you know, God starts turning our church finances around. And next thing you know, we start growing. And next thing you know, we start helping the district plant churches. And then that anointing that comes from planting seed, because you can't plant seed without a harvest. And when that anointing starts coming, we start to see increase here as we plant churches out there. God starts to increase this house. And financially, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating from where that was about seven and a half, eight years ago to now, close to four times our giving as far as a given single year, you know, is coming in, our church income. Crazy. Give God some praise. Amen. So I said all that to say that in my life, that man, he helped hold, in my life, that man, he helped hold. Oh, that's it there. That tells me it's 36 minutes and time to stop. So. so in my life, that man held that for me. He held that, that, that ladder for me. He understood why I was climbing in the first place, and he got involved. That stands in stark contrast to another man who around the same period, a couple years before that, stood in my house, and because I had went deaf after two years, he stands in my house and says, Pastor, I'm leaving the church because if I can't sit under a pastor who can't get his own miracle. How can I sit under you when you can't get a miracle? Yeah. And he had a bunch of other stuff he was saying. And I'm basically really like, you're supposed to be this guy on a pedestal. And I need a pastor that I can, I can kind of look up to. And you're just, you've got it all figured out. And, and it was just weird. It's like, I'm sorry. That's just not me. I, I have a lot figured out. Amen. Like good taste in women. But there's a lot I'm still figuring out. And to be honest, in my 30s, y'all, I was tore up from the floor up. I mean, God was doing a work in me 12, 15 years. I mean, like, and this guy stands, literally at one point was so ugly about some stuff, he stands up in my house and looks down at me as he's hollering at me in my house. Amy was there. And I stood up and said, you're going to sit down in my house and talk to me. I told you God was doing a lot of work in me in my 30s. 
And I said, no man standing in my house and going to talk down to me like that. You just sit down there. You can speak your mind, or you may get carried out of here. That's what I told him. And that's not real Christian-like. And I wouldn't say that now. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I'm, so, I'm a lover. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a fighter. In my 30s, I was a fighter. <laughs> I was. And, um, but, but God has worked a lot of that out of me, praise Jesus, because of people like that. But... <laughs> All I'm saying is, oh my gosh, your pastor's deaf. Your pa- the church is struggling financially. You know, it's just been one thing after another, and you're going to sit here and speak like that, you know? Can you see the difference? One was a ladder saying, hold on. One was a man who literally, the bondages that held me bound in my 30s, the blinders, the, the, the cloth upon my vision in my 30s. I can't say it enough. Scott Fogel. As goofy as that guy is, he took those things off of me. Did he do that because he preached to you? No, he did that because he believed in me. Man. So, yeah, so I just took some time this morning to honor him. Because you need ladders in your life, amen? The opposite of that is those who try to kick the ladder out from under you. Let's stand to our feet. Listen, if, if there's people in your life that you just can tell just keep trying to kick the ladder out from under you, I don't care if they're doing that through you personally. I don't care if they're doing that to you digitally. I don't care if they're doing that and you never even know about it. But they're just running their mouths or whatever it might be. If someone loves to see you in turmoil or cause you turmoil, they don't value you and can't help you get to where God desires you to go. Amen? And I'm not saying that you don't walk in strong correction, but listen, you walk in strong correction by people that are holding your ladder. People that are there, I got you. I'm holding this, I'm giving you some stability. Listen to me, you're doing that wrong up there, but I'm not going, I'm right here with you. Amen? We need ladders in our lives, amen? And so here's the thing about that. Be a ladder in someone's life. Amen? You need ladders, but be a ladder in someone's life. And then the second part of this is, listen, edit those in your life that have no desire to go higher into what God has promised over their lives or your lives. Amen? Everybody shout the word edit. Say edit. edit. I, I, I give you pastoral permission. I don't, this is what scouts do. I don't know if this, I don't know if this can convert. Does this do anything? I know. I give you pastoral permission to edit those in your life. Amen. Now listen, I'm not talking about the dead. I'm not talking about the one that's lost. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who you know are believers, but they keep pulling you down. Just edit that. Get some ladders in your life. Be a ladder in other people's lives. And we know as a church that's difficult to do. We know that. And so we're creating something new. I want you to open up your phone. And I finish with this. Open up your phones. Grab them, grab them, grab them. Go to your browser, www.mymomentumchurch.tv, www.mymomentumchurch.tv. We are starting something new as of today, and it's called Momentum Together. You're going to see a little place there. You can click on it, and what it is, it's a Facebook group, but it's a little bit different. What our church is used to, y'all are used to our Facebook being an advertisement kind of thing. Hey, the potluck dinner's coming. Men's breakfast is coming. Concert in the park is coming. Give a kid a chance, it's coming. Whatever it might be, we post it on Facebook, and it becomes white noise. Why? Because it's our noise. It's not your noise. 
And what we want momentum together to become, we want it to become your noise. We want it to become your voice. We want it to become something that you build. I don't even know what it's going to look like. There may be Bible studies that come upon it, prayer things that come upon it. There may be something that, 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 that experiences and events and things that you guys throw out there, you know? And so I'll give you an example. It would be one of those things to where this Saturday I'm going to go put my kayak in at Rope Mill. And I want to do that with some other folks. It'd be neat to do with some church folks. So at 830, I'm putting my kayak in. So I go on Momentum Together. Hey, go on to the Rope Mill Park to put the kayak in at 830. We depart at 845. Hope to see some people there. Hey, I'll be there. You know, blah, 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 blah. I'm bringing the dog. Da, da, da. Cool, I got a dog too. And next thing you know, you show up at Rope Mill, and now you're hanging out. Cool, huh? Amen. It, it may be something to where you say, hey, I'm taking Fido, and we're going to go to the Wolfstock. Now, Fido, that's P-H-Y-D-E-A-U-X. It's a Cajun coonhound, all right? And I'm going to go to Wolfstock, and I'm going to have uh, Thursday night at 6 o'clock going there with the kids and with my dog. Hey, I got kids and a dog, too. We'll see you there. Hey, Friday night, we're going to Stevie B's with some family. You know, love to see. Hey, I'll, we'll bring the kids, and we'll come to Stevie B, too, you know? Sunday after church. Man, I, I got a free Sunday afternoon. I'd like to go to O'Charlie's. I'd like to go to someplace and get dinner after church. Hey, I'm planning on going out to dinner. Anybody want to go? It's not ours. It's yours. Does it make sense? I don't know what all is going to come of it. What I do know is it's not momentum tender, okay? We, we don't want you swiping left, swiping right. I'm not sure how all that works, you know. Your Facebook picture shouldn't look like this. <laughs> but if it does, I might show up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm teased. I kid. I kid. So... I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know this. We as a church, we have ministry teams and we have small groups and we still have tons of people that say they can't connect. Tons. There's a ministry team, there's small groups, there's stuff that meets all the time, but we still have folks that say we just can't connect. And I, I just think maybe possibly we're not given enough opportunities to connect how you want to connect. And you know what? As diverse as we are, how could we ever? But you can. So it's your group. Momentum we'll together, you're going to make it something. Amen. And then watch God do ministry through that. Give God some praise. Amen. And the last thing is we help each other. You know what? Man, we help each other through benevolence all the time. It, I just felt like today would be a great day. If as you leave and you want to give something extra, if you're giving beyond your tithes and offerings, if you want to give to benevolence, there's just always needs here at the church, and we're faithful to bless people. And so if you want to be, hey, you know what? With this momentum together, I want to partner and help some folk. And, um, and we're, we, we vet those situations very, very, very thoroughly. But if that's you and you're like, you know what? I want to do five today or 10 or 100 or five, whatever it is. We just want to ask you, if you leave and you want to bless the benevolence ministry, you can put that on your envelope or you can put that in the memo of your, your text to give and just let us know. And then that way we can continue to use that to help people. And maybe we can throw some testimonies on Momentum Together as well. All right. I love you guys. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.